We're live, yes. my friend. Live from Indianapolis, Robert Schmitz. Woo-woo, right? Repping it down there. Look awesome. at us. Look at us, Lester. We've got a credential now. We're going to the Combine. Like, SB Nation represent. I've actually, as a matter of fact, Lester, I've met a bunch of the other uh, wonderful SB Nation people that are down here. There's like 10 down there, right? I think There's total? like 10. Yeah. Tracking them all down has been a lot because I haven't found the Niners Nation guys, for instance. But Ed Valentine, if you've never met him from Big Blue View. I've done his podcast awesome. a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. He's he's great. Consummate professional. Uh, Bears fans, cover your ears. But the Acme Packing Co. guys are great. They're, I mean, guys too, like yeah. Justice Muscata, like uh, Tex Western. There's another guy who I hate to say I've forgotten his name. I'll have to go look it up later. Yeah, but out. Oh, yeah, right? It's a bunch of Twitter – or it used to be a bunch of Twitter profiles, and now it's a bunch of really cool people. And yeah. that's super-duper fun to just get the chance to experience this kind of thing while we talk to some players, listen to some GMs and coaches. I mean, Lester, it's it's been a great time. Let's, so let's get this kick, this kick this off started. Welcome, everyone. This is T-Formation Conversation. I'm your host, Lester Wildfong. I'm joined, of course, like I've been talking about, Robert Schmitz. He's our guy. Bear with me. He's one part of the Building the Board Scout crew this offseason. He is all over the channel. If you know the channel, whether it's Second City Gridiron or Windy City Gridiron Podcast, you know, you know Robert. Robert's our guy. So, Robert, you are in Indianapolis right now, and, and you talk about credentialed. You're there credentialed as a member of the media. You are also at the Senior Bowl, so that's two for you. Yeah, it and is. Just, we're going to have someone at, uh, at, at the draft. Jeff Burkus will be at the draft credentialed. So it's, it's good stuff happening for us right now. It's a big year. It's a big year for big Windy year. City Gridiron. Mm-hmm. And it's a Look perfect year because we got the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, it is. The most cap space. So it's a great time for everything to kind of be a perfect storm in it right now. And, and it's it's fun here. So so you're an indie. This is this is your first time at yes. the combine, I take it? Yes. It's, oh, of course. Oh my gosh, yes. So I mean you're having a good time. It's a little different than what some people would think the experience is down there than what you're doing there because you're not really you're not on the field, you know, you're not really close like you were at the senior bowl. You're kind of like in a room watching oh, I mean, it on TV, right? It's extremely different. I mean, yeah. Lester, let's put it this way, right? So I got here on Monday this week, and the first workouts were on Thursday because what I think people forget is that there's this whole portion before the combine with interview after interview after interview. Functionally, every GM and head coach in the league speak, and then a whole bunch of players speak at all kinds of different times. And it's a great time to ask Chris Ballard what he thinks about trading up, ask Matt Eberflus what he's starting to think about the draft class ask Darius Rush what his biggest growth point was from 2019 to now getting potentially drafted in the 2023 draft I mean it's all kinds of questions and answers and in Lester it's all the pull quotes that end up making it on social media so somebody wrote these things and getting to be a part of just seeing how the bread gets made right like the irony here Lester is that uh it's not really as much about the workouts because I went to Lucas oil today on the first day of workouts. They're not even announcing the times. And so you're sitting there, you watch somebody run and you don't know anything. It is a better show on TV. So then me and a bunch of the other guys that I was with, we went to a bar, we ate some chicken wings. We watched the combine on TV and it was way easier to consume. So, ironically, if you want workout-related information, you got to give me a couple days to catch up, 
or you take a look at what Jacob's probably writing on Twitter yeah. right now because his eyes have got to be glued to the television, whereas I, as you can probably tell based on where I'm sitting, I'm a bit all over the place. You're in an empty convention hall right now. Where you're, so you're, you're right downtown in, in downtown Indy. You know, yes. so you, you mentioned you've had a chance to go out, you hang out with a few people and do some things, you know, behind the scenes. But, but you talked about how the first few days of the combine, it's the medicals. Yeah. It's the interviews. You know, they're meeting with players. We hear a lot of stuff. Oh, so-and-so is meeting with the Bears. The Bears meet with a lot of people. You know, Greg Gabriel on our site has done a few articles kind of talking about the combine experience and how important those medicals are. Of course. You know, and then the measurements, you know, because there are some teams that they have like a threshold where if you don't have a certain length arm or a certain height or a certain weight, depending on the position, they drop you down the board or they just take you off the board completely. And today there was some, some big buzz by some of the, uh, the, the D tackles running, you know, uh, I know the kid from Pittsburgh, people were excited because he kind of checked in at 280. He was like six one ish. And they're like, okay, he's a little bigger than they thought. And then he ran like a beast. What's his name again? Kalijah Kansi. I knew you would have that. It's like you're like a Rolodex with all this, with the building the board going on right now. <laughs> you made me this way. Not yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's so funny, Lester, because half that stuff comes down to, in my opinion, if you want a very quick, like, how to understand whether somebody ran fast or slow, look at their weight. Look at what other people in their weight ran. Don't compare Will Anderson to uh, Keanu Benton, the 315, like, defensive That's your guy out of Wisconsin. I mean, he's That's your one. Guy. Yeah. I've got, like, 15 guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, Lester, I'll tell you what. Like, at the combine, this is not the question you asked, but I will go on a spiel anyway. So take it wherever you want, man. You're live from Indianapolis right now. You, you got to go the way it takes you. To me, Lester, being around all these guys and having watched the tape that I've watched only further affirms that I would love the Bears to trade back, aggregate more picks. Because, Lester, there's a lot of really strong talent in the draft this year between picks, let's say, 15 and 50. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where Will Anderson, it looks really good. I mean, everybody on earth is making the Khalil Mack comparison. But you and I have lived through enough of these Bears teams, Lester, where Khalil Mack was on them. But there wasn't another threat on the defensive line because Akeem Hicks was hurt and Eddie Goldman wasn't in 2018 anymore. And all you got to do is double block Khalil Mack. And I mean, Lester, I mean, let's let's talk about basic math. How many offensive linemen are there on a basic set? Yeah, yeah. I mean, five. You know, There's they, five. They're going to have they're, they're going to be able to pick their guys up. How many defensive linemen are there on a basic set? Yeah, four. Four. Four rushing, So there's yeah. an implied double team. Like, the you can't have just one threat. When you look at what the Eagles have done, when you look at, frankly, what the Chiefs have done, what the Niners have done, a lot of them, the Giants are another example with Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, among others. Like, this is the ideal year for the Bears to take the fact that they have a pick that other people want and turn it into not one, not two, but maybe up to five or six top 65 players with some future picks going into next year so that Lester, we can talk about, yeah, you know, Keanu Benton didn't end up working like we maybe wanted him to, but this player that they picked and this player that they picked and this player that they picked might all be pushing for a pro bowl. I mean, drafting in aggregate, right? It's what the, it's what the Eagles have done. It's what a lot of teams have tried to do. And the only team that's managed to screw it up is the Raiders who managed to just, pick everybody bad but 
we hope that that's not the case. Well, and you always hear about it. You know, you want to have more bites of the apple when, when you're coming to the draft. You know, the more chances you get, the better. The more chances you get in the top 100, you know, the better. And then, you know, that's been the buzz, man. That's been the buzz in Indianapolis since Ryan Poles talked the last yeah. few days. It's been Schefter, Rappaport, you know, Field Yates, all all the top insiders. They're all they're all saying the same thing. The number real one pick is up for sale, and they're looking to make a move. The really bizarre piece to this, Lester, is that if you ask the Texans fans, like I've gotten, not fans, they're writers. I've gotten a chance to run into a couple people from like the Houston Chronicle and other Houston sites. And I mean, they'll look you dead in the eyes and they'll say, yeah, I'd trade you two and 12. And I'm like, for what you would? Like to me, Lester, on the other side of things, every time I've put out a trade mock, that feels unrealistic to me, right? Because we're trying to keep the expectations purple. But if the Houston Texans are really willing and the vibe around Indy seems to be that they are, if they're really willing to be that generous in going up just one spot, Lester, I mean, the double trade back fantasy might be a little bit more real than you think it is. And in my opinion, if the Bears could somehow end up starting their draft at pick number nine, which somehow, Lester, we have turned this Will Anderson, uh, Jalen Carter notwithstanding. So let's stick to Will Anderson discussion into if you don't pick Will Anderson, the guy that you pick after that must just not be as good. And Lester, I remember last year getting so excited about whoever we would pick at 39. Like, (laughs) it has been so long since the Bears had a first-round pick, let alone a top-10 pick. And if the Bears add a top-10 player, very good chances that he's a very good player. And so it doesn't bother me to potentially lose out on Will Anderson because the bears need more guys. The bears need, let me put it this way, Lester. I know you mentioned Keanu Benton is my guy. I would venture a guess that if the bears got Tyree Wilson and Keanu Benton, that those two together, would be more productive than just Will Anderson. And you may say that's not fair, but that's the choice you might be making, right? By passing on Will Anderson to allow somebody else to potentially take a quarterback, you have an opportunity to scoop up a sweet player on the defensive or offensive line for free while still adding a top 10 level edge rusher. And with guys like Lucas Van Ness testing like crazy today, guys like Miles Murphy being athletic freaks, guys like uh, obviously, Lester, you saw the picture of Tyree Wilson literally just standing up and holding his arms out. Yeah. I, I mean, monster. Like there are some floose defensive ends to say the least in this class to the point where it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. And as long as the bears are in the top 11, I find it hard to believe that so many quarterbacks and so many edge rushers would all come off the board that somebody wouldn't be there. You know, you mentioned the Texans going up from two and then with the two and 12 in play. And then you also mentioned Chris Ballard and his press conference that he had on, uh, I think it was on Wednesday or on Tuesday it was. And, you know, he had a lot of stuff to say and he kind of really poo pooed the idea of trading up for his quarterback. But come on, everyone knows this is lying season. We all know what he's doing. He has the Texans, his division rival, sitting at two. That is going to shape the way they make their move. So if the Texans do come up to, to one, and they got to come over the top of that two and that 12, it's going to be because there's a huge deal on the table from the Colts. The Colts can't let the Texans get their guy, especially if they have their same guy rated, you know, right there. And it's, you know, from what it looks like, you know, we'll see Bryce Young when he when he has his measurements and everything and where he's at, but 
he seems like the consensus one is starting to kind of kind of go that way. Oh, it sure seems that way, especially given that he weighed in at 198. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. let's put it this way, Lester. Everybody's freaking out about Bryce Young's weight, and you're either you're either okay with it or you're not, right? I'm actually very glad that the Bears aren't in this class because slowly but surely, uh, Lester, I am becoming one of those Packers-style scouts that has very clear cutoffs for things. Like, I want my receivers to be six foot. I want my tackles to have 33 and seven-eighths-inch arms, probably at least, right? I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I've got this full list that I could publish because that'd be a sweet article. But it's more to say that I I do think measurables really, really matter. I think – let me put it this way, Lester. Uh, Last night, I guess this is your combine story, right? Last night I had the chance to hang out with none other than Bears legend Corey Wooten. Right. And he's a Northwestern grad. So guess what? He absolutely loves Peter Skaronsky. Yeah. And he told a story about how Corey and if, if you know Corey at all, Lester, you know, he's a giant. Like, I mean, outrageously big, outrageously long arms. And he talked about how, you know, all this arm length stuff is overblown. I used to long arm people all the time. And at one point I tried to long arm this Eagles tackle named Jason Peters, who had short little arms. And he just snapped my arms basically in half. And rip me down. I, I'm really not that worried. Skaronsky's going to be fine. And all I can think to myself, Lester, in that setting is you will have the guys who are incredible. Like you will have the guys who are Hall of Famers. But if we assume that the player is the very good version of themselves instead of the best case scenario, I mean, there's a reason Charles Leno was successful at all in the NFL. Yeah. There's a reason Braxton Jones was successful at all in his rookie campaign. When you've got long arms, you can win in a first contact league. And it looks a little different, right? But that threshold starting there, eliminating everybody out of the product or the prospect pool that isn't that type of player leaves you with who is the best football player that also happens to has long arms. Everybody I feel like turns this into right Lester. They turn it into, Oh, well he must not be good if he doesn't have long arms. And it's not, it's not about that. It's about it, Can we get a good football player that also has long arms, right? <laughs> can we get, can we get a good receiver that is also fast? You know, can we get, and, and I'm actually really interested by the way, Lester, uh, to see, when, when we've talked to Ryan Poles and when we've talked to uh, Matt Eberflus so far while they're here, they use a whole bunch of buzzwords and then they pick one trait that they all keep saying. Have you picked up on what it is? Is it the length that, he, that length. he's mentioning? Yeah. Length. They are talking about defensive line, offensive line length every chance they get. So that tells me. Lester, that they are also an organization with cutoffs. I don't know yeah. what the other ones are, right? But I do wonder, now that we've got Valus Jones, kind of had to struggle some rookie campaign. Now that we've got Chase Claypool, I don't feel like he really meshed into the fabric of the Bears offense. And hey, both of these guys could massively change in 2023. But in the second year, the first year where they're really going top to bottom with these scouts, Lester, I'm super curious to see how the Bears process changes, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. You know, let me take a really quick break for the podcast side of things in case I have to cut one up. So break time. 
And we're back. I just had to get that out of the way. You never know what happens. Sometimes we go long, we go short. And I know, I know SB Nation wants to get that, that, <laughs> that mid-roll put in there on all of our podcasts. So now I'm, I got that covered. We're Lester, good I, figured out, I figured out a trick I need to show you, okay? okay. Uh, I started doing it on some of the Building the Board podcasts. So every listener, like, this is about to get really meta. But Lester, yeah. I want you to leave this in. Like, I'm, I'm trying to – I found, like, a, a whoosh sound effect that if you do have to cut for a mid-roll ad, instead of it being quite so jagged, you can like fade into a whoosh okay. and then okay. fade back out so that you create a break if you forgot to make one. That's it, what, ta- that's what Taylor does on Making Monsters. She has that all like, but but see with her, she's working out of the uh, right. the, the, the XL Studios in Jacksonville. She's got all her stuff. She's know, the all, most all professional out of all of us, but probably Bill. Like her, her and Bill, man, they're up there. Like they, they really set the bar that we have to reach to strive through. So. You and I are like talking out of garages and like oh. hit and record and dealing with audio issues. And I mean, they're they're just so good at what they do. Yeah, but they yeah, stuff. I mean, Lester, getting back to all this, like I I can't help but think that the Bears are in a really solid position. I actually did not see this coming where the interest is more on the Texan side than the Colts side. The Colts part seemed written in the stars, but I mean, Lester, let's be honest. Chris Ballard hates giving up draft picks. Yeah. We've known this. There is a bit, if I can call us out, there's a bit of cognitive dissonance with us saying, yeah, but, but he'll finally break all of his tendencies now, right? Who's to say he will? Yeah. He may go down swinging. His way. It may mean that Chris Ballard gets quarterback four. I mean, there's a non zero chance at this point, Lester, that if the Texans traded up to two, so follow me or like follow me on this. The Texans trade up to one, the Bears go to two, right? And somebody calls Arizona and they get a trade set up for three, right? And because of that, another team gets wind of the fact that they've got this trade set up for three. So they call the Bears to go get two so you go quarterback then at two you go quarterback then at three you go quarterback and then the Colts are left with four I mean it's not unthinkable like it's not even fantasy at this point because we're talking about a draft year the immediate year preceding a year of no quarterbacks I said year three times really fast but if you followed like Lester this is the these guys represent contract extensions these guys represent hope for franchises that don't have anything these these quarterbacks represent mike vrabel having the opportunity to retool the roster in tennessee while losing is understandable because you've got a young rookie and and who's good as a rookie right built-in excuses i mean these matter like they're sometimes they're almost more important than we give them credit for because that's how guys get food on the table and keep their jobs lester so it's I, when people talk, because I've heard this said a couple times while I'm around Indianapolis, that the Bears are in an unprecedented situation. There's a reason it's historically unprecedented. It's because of all of the bizarre factors that have somehow come up in Chicago's favor. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't happen very often. Usually the stuff that happens are against the Bears. I mean, we always talk about, oh, that's a very Bearsy thing to happen. What if a Bearsy thing to happen is now some good luck? It's 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 the draft picks. It's 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 the cap. Everything kind of working out. Justin Fields, you know, we're all still hoping he's going to be the guy. Which he seems like he's on that path. But you know, and then, but you know, you did talk about the quarterbacks, and you, you talked about Vrabel. You talked about the Titans, you, the Raiders, Panthers. You know, 
Saints. I mean, th- there are some teams here that we, we we may not be thinking that want a quarterback, but you know, there's a stud next year, the next draft for quarterback that's waiting out there. Yep. But but just but, one, but just one. But not you don't know Drake what's yeah. not great. Exactly. Hey, there's there's just one sure thing. Yeah. And all kinds of teams, all kinds of teams could think they have a shot at him, and all of them know if they don't, they're probably fired. Yeah. So it's, you got to get your guy when you have a chance to get your guy. That's one thing that Ryan Pace would do. It's going back to the old Bears, you know, you know, we didn't like what he did, but you know, he had his conviction. So you know, we're, we're going to see some teams now, you know, like the Colts or the Titans, where they're going to have their guy. You know, someone's going to fall in love with Will Levis. You know, it, it might happen, and they may say we got to go up and get him. And if that's the case, then they're going to go up and they're going to come over the top and. There's just so many quarterback needy teams. So, so you talk about the Bears possibly going back to two and then going back again, you know, toward the towards the you know the eight or nine or somewhere where, where the where the Panthers are or the, or the Raiders are, and you know, a guy that could be sitting there now, which wasn't expected, you know, a few days ago, is a guy like Jalen Carter. You know, he has the legal issues going on right now. You know, at, at some point, a team's going to pull the trigger on him because it's a couple misdemeanors. Yeah, it's it's a really bad situation. But at the end of the day, these NFL teams are going to look at that and say, you know what? We'll give them a chance with us. You know, it it depends. I mean, you got to remember, Lester, and almost everything that I'm about to say here is like public information. Yes. yes. Allow me to be a dot connector. Right. Todd McShay came out in December saying, you know, there are people in the NFL worried about Jalen Carter's character issues. So when did this accident happen, Lester? It happened in January, meaning that. McShay was talking about character issues before this happened. It's that wasn't a couch phrase for whatever this is. Right. And honestly, my heart goes out to just, I am not about to pretend like what Jalen Carter did is, is okay or good in any scenario, Lester, but I can't imagine what it would be like to be a 20 year old kid thinking your entire future's ahead of you and you some you just sort of haphazardly agree to race somebody. I mean, I've had people do the rev rev thing at a stoplight before. And I mean, you can make that decision in half a second or less. And then somebody hits a tree. People end up dead. You flee the scene. You you try to bury it and pretend it didn't happen. And you end up making a bunch of cataclysmic mistakes that compound on each other. It's bad, Lester. It's bad. But, yeah. But also, if he owns it, he went back to Athens. He went to jail. He posted bail. He paid his bail. If he comes back to the NFL, because he did in Combine Week. He was at the Combine today, wasn't he, on on Thursday? He was at the Combine today? Yeah, came back. Yes. Comes back, tells teams exactly what happened, that he's learned from it, that he's he's not going to let this define him. You know what, Lester, at the end of the day, Tyreek Hill got a job again. I mean, like, it it makes me wonder whether – if this was April and we were having this conversation, we might be talking about a Tunsil situation, but it's not April. It's yeah. extremely early March. And come come late March, I just, I just find it hard to believe, Lester, that there isn't going to be a team out there saying, oh, okay, okay, yeah, but have you yeah. seen what he does at the three-tech position? Yeah. And, I mean, there's legitimate question, Lester, just calling a spade a spade, about whether George McCaskey would see this as okay. Like there may be some owners that say we're not going to do that, right? But it won't be everybody. <laughs> yeah. no, there's going to be someone to take them into the Lions. Have two picks in the top ten, I believe. So, 
you know, they, they could pull the trigger. There's going to be some, you know, he's going to go somewhere. He's going to go top 10, you know, unless something really comes out that's that's not out there yet. But as of right now, it's a, it's a rough situation. It's a bad situation all around. But, you know, like you said, it's uh, we're still a long ways from the draft. You know, the, the way the news cycle kind of works, something else will come up. You know, I'm not going to it's, it's going to get forgotten about because it's it's still there. It still happened. No. But, you know, it's not going to be the forefront of these of these general managers minds. And, and as you get closer to the draft, they're going to be like, you know what? We, we met with him. We talked to him. You know, we feel that he understands what happened here. He's he's a, a better man today than he was then. So they're going to they're going to pull the trigger and, and make a move with Jalen Carter. I'll tell you what, though, Lester, if there's one thing to talk about with Carter, it's that my oh my, Lester, this may. OK, so this is my first year really digging into the draft. Last year, I dipped my toes into it. This is my first year really digging into it. And even then, guys like Jacob Infante know so much more about the class than I do. But I know just enough, Lester, to look you in the eyes and tell you the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen in this class are good and they are deep. I mean, the, there's there's that draft that some Bears fan puts together. I think it's a theme mock you do every year, too, where eventually somebody goes, this is what the Bears should do. And it's a whole mock draft. of It's all linemen. Yeah. linemen. Uh, that could happen. I mean, at least we, you know, it, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, Lester, but maybe not. Like the Bears could very easily add some serious juice on the defensive line, and there's some really, really good offensive linemen. I mean, we saw tons of them at the Senior Bowl, and there's plenty of young guns that are just as good. And it's it's a fun class to just even think about. I mean, guys like Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse and Broderick Jones out of Georgia, and obviously guys like John Michael Schmitz, Jarrett Patterson. Uh, like there are so many of these offensive line names that we're going through on building the board as fast as I can edit them. I apologize. I'm not any faster. Um, well, you're busy but, this week, so it's okay. You get yeah, the pass there. Uh, Built an excuse. It, you're, you're an indie. Yeah. Thanks boss. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun. It, it's, it's a fun class to think about because as much as lesser part of me wonders if I could just soapbox for a couple seconds that if Bears fans in 2022 have lost the willingness to be optimistic because every time we've been optimistic, it just sets us up to get bit on the hand and it hurts that much more, right? But Lester, let's call a spade a spade. All the people, the crazy loons like me that were saying all this losing is good has landed the Bears a pick that has the opportunity to change the franchise completely overnight. I mean, the Bears can go from having a below average amount of rookie contracts to an above average amount of rookie contracts with a ton of talent in the room. Instead of Lester hyping up Thomas Graham out of the sixth round, the fifth pick of the draft could be a third rounder. Like, I mean, we're talking pedigree. We're talking ability that UDFAs just don't have in the overwhelming majority of cases. I mean, Lester, that's really what this is, isn't it? Like, what, what happens when a player busts? They don't fit in a scheme. Or they had athletic ability and they never quite def- or developed the ability to play football that pushes that athletic ability forward. And sometimes you get a UDFA like Jack Sanborn that is all football player. And maybe the, the athletic ability isn't really that amazing, but he's such a good football player and so consistent, he's just the outlier, right? Within this, Lester, the Bears really have an opportunity. I mean, 
they have an opportunity to be completely prepared for what may or may not happen with Justin Fields for better or for worse. They have an opportunity. Lester, really think about this because it's pretty crazy. If the Bears got the Houston Texans first round pick next year and the Carolina Panthers first round pick next year. Now, that may not happen. The Bears may push for two and 12 for instance, which would not be a first-round pick next year. But if they got Houston's first and Carolina's first, or Indy's first and Carolina's first, or Indy's first and Tennessee's first, we can pretend that those future firsts won't be top 10 picks, but we don't know. Yeah, you never know. Did anybody think the Jaguars, after picking Trevor Lawrence, were going to pick at one again? Right? Like, Lester... The Bears have the opportunity to completely shift the balance of the franchise. And that may not mean that in 2023 they're amazing, but it may mean that in 2023 they're extremely young and extremely talented. In 2024, they're beginning to ascend. And in 2025, they could be not not Lester, you and me writing articles about the Bears. If everything goes lucky, maybe they'll go for a Super Bowl, but a legitimate contender with depth with talent, with coaching, with all of the little things, with experience, right? A bunch of young players all ascending at the same time. And, I mean, that's the dream for me because, like, that's – it's not about – I heard, believe it or not, I was listening to Mike Francesca because I've got more friends for some reason in the New York Giants circuit than I ever thought I would getting into this. And they think he's hilarious. So I was listening to Mike Francesca yell at a caller about how that caller wanted to go with the Kansas City model. And he was like, there is no Kansas City model. The Kansas City model is have a really good quarterback. (laughs) The Eagles are a model. They're a model that you can follow. And part of me thinks that with Ian Cunningham having come from the building, with the way that Ryan Pulse talks about draft value and – what Kansas City has been able to do within their organization in relation to draft value, that there's a decent chance that the front office really gets it. And Lester, if they really get it, I'm really excited. Well, like I said, it's a franchise-altering offseason. Of course, the draft picks there, the the salary cap money is there. And we'll disagree a little bit with the Kansas City model. Patrick Mahomes helps, obviously. But pre-Mahomes, that was a perennial playoff contender. They didn't win anything. But, but, but they had, I think, had, had four or five years in a row there where they were in the playoffs. Then, of course, you, you get Patrick Mahomes, and then that changes everything with that franchise. So the Bears are in a great place here. You know, the, the, today was all about the defensive linemen. You talk about it, how, how, how stacked this class is with defensive linemen. Offensive linemen are going to work out, I think, tomorrow or is it the next day? I, I, I kind of missed the schedule. Here. I tell you, but that really wasn't my job to track. Right? That's what I'm saying. It's on the site somewhere. You can find it on there. So anyway, D-line, O-line, which just happens to be two places the Bears need a lot of help at. I mean, you could conceivably have four new starters on that D-line. And yes, of course, free agency was going to address some of that. You got to get young talent in here. You got to get some young, you know, blue chip prospects in here. And then then you get that build starting. Lester, let me use an example. The Bears have had so few picks over the last 10 years. Like, yeah. let's go all the way back to Emory. The Bears have had so few picks over the last 10 years that when I say third-round center, what's the name that comes to mind? Come on, you're a Bears fan. Third-round third center. center. Oh, that's Cruz, my friend. Okay, come on. There's the other one. The Oregon guy. You know his name? Oh, Grassu? Bronis Grassu. 
right? Who's so, still in the league, by the way, plugging away somewhere. That's hilarious. Um, but it's more to say that, like, the Bears have given a lot of people a lot of yeah. reasons to think that when I say stacking talent using, like, second and third round picks, that they can envision James Daniels being somewhat unimpressive, despite the fact that he's playing better ball in Pittsburgh than he played for years in, in Chicago, because guess what? He was really young, right? Yeah. The, the talent that you could acquire in that top 65 picks is, I mean, that's the kind of thing. Like, you're not playing a UDFA at center. That's where I was going with, with talking yeah. about Ronis Grasso. The Bears were playing a UDFA at center. They played a fifth-round pick at left tackle. They played whoever they could get at right and, gu- or right and left guard. And I'm as excited about Tevin Jenkins as anybody else is, but at some point we've got to look in the mirror and remember we're talking about a guy who just had major back surgery and then he basically or he had to get carted off the field for a neck injury. Yeah. Like, it's he's just not a sure thing. And we don't need to treat him like he's an absolute slam dunk sure thing yeah. when in the late second round or the mid second round or the early second round, you could get guys like Cody Mock. You could get guys like um, I mentioned, uh, oh gosh, the Syracuse kid Bergeron, like he could play or he could play a little bit of tackle. He could probably play a little bit of guard if you needed him to. Like there's all kinds of these players that we're seeing out here, Lester, that I can see them already being upgrades on the bears and i think that's huge for a team that has next to no no talent no real pedigree in the in the defensive line in particular um but the offensive line's a a bear covered too they'll go to free agency they'll get some veterans we'll get a guy like dalvin tomlinson wouldn't surprise me we'll get i hope to get a guy like ethan pochich we'll see i'm very curious to see what right tackle they're going to pick. I bet you it'll be McGlinchey. But, yeah. uh, you know, maybe it's Juwan Taylor. Maybe they mix something up. Um, but going after that, instead of building an offensive line being a three-year process, the Bears could really turn it into like a one-and-a-half, Lester, where yeah. they get a bunch of young guys, they compete for spots, make each other better. I'll use this as a, ble- or a very bizarre example, Lester, but in a world where – the Bears get the opportunity to make Braxton Jones a swing tackle. Sure, is it perfect value to replace an already pretty good left tackle at uh, or like that came out of the fifth round? No, but if your line is good enough that Braxton Jones isn't even starting on it, that's a massive upgrade from when the sixth offensive lineman was Rashad Coward. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Bears have a lot of holes to fill. You talk about Riley Reef no longer there. Michael, but Michael Scofield was your first guard off the bench. Dieter Iceland got got reps last year, and you know I, I've always been a, a big fan of his. I like where, where his story, you know, coming from where he did. But come on, he is who he is at this point in, in his Bears career. You know, Sam Musfer at center, some some issues there. So you're going to have a lot of holes to fill. Like you said, if you can, you're going to go in for agency. You're going to address right tackle. You know, maybe you address an, an interior guy, whether it's Pochitz, whether it's a guard. But you got to draft an interior guy too. Yes, you have to bring in. I want to say at least two. Then they have uh, uh, Jetari Carter, who they're very high on. He was around the team all last year. You know, maybe some of the guys develop, but you can't count on the development. You got to make sure you have enough guys there. There's one other piece of this we have to talk about because this is where the Bears have royally messed up over the last decade. Right, the Bears, especially Ryan Pace, but the Bears keep putting themselves in positions, Lester, where we, you and I, can go through and we can pick out which positions they're going to draft at because they have to, right? Yeah. 
like they'll leave a gaping hole at tight end that tells us that Cole Komet is going to be a Chicago Bear. And guess what? He is. And then we know they're going to draft a defensive back afterwards. And guess what? They did. Like, it, it becomes almost telegraphed. Didn't we know in 2019 they were taking a back? Like, we knew because they would just leave an open hole and you'd draft the best person there. I want to see the Bears stack so many picks that they can begin picking the best, best player, player available. available. Yeah. Because you you do have to draft for need a little bit. Like, we could act like you you can't do that or that that's bad process. And guess what, Lester? It is bad process. But you still can't take a receiver when you're loaded with receivers. The Bears are not. If uh, if you've got nobody at right or at left guard, that's unacceptable. You can't do that. That's going to get you fired. What I dream of, I'll use a, a weird metaphoric way to say this. What's new? Um, I dream of the Bears having so many picks that the Bears actually have the flexibility to draft a really phenomenal running back in the second round. Like, I dream of the Bears having so many picks between number one and number 52 that 53 could be a guy like Jameer Gibbs or Zach Charbonnet because maybe the Bears score Saquon Barkley. They probably won't. But if you're talking, Lester, about how to add an offensive weapon to the Chicago Bears, probably the easiest way to do that is to go be basically chase what the Jets found in Brees Hall, right? Like a sweet running back because the guys that are really, really good are really, really good. And a lot of people would say, how on earth could you ever, as a nerd, Robert, recommend drafting a running back in the second round? And I would say if that running back is the fourth or fifth pick in the Bears draft class, it's a different story than drafting a second round running back. Right. So we'll see. Like, we'll see what happens. We'll see how Ryan Poles goes through this. But I'll tell you what, I am so excited for their opportunity to stack talent. I can't wait to see what they've got ahead of them. I think Indy has been phenomenal. You'll probably get a couple more pull quotes if you follow me on Twitter. Uh, A couple interviews that I have. I'm trying to cut them up and figure out what ethical ways to post as much of it as I can without, like, stealing other people's work, I guess. But Hey, it's it's a press conference, my friend. Chop it up, put it up, get the whole thing on the channel, especially with these guys that the Bears have so obvious interest in, which is nice. What the hell is going on behind you? A Zamboni? Is that a Zamboni back there? Carpet cleaner. (laughs) Okay, just checking. It's it's a carpet zamboni, basically. Nice. You know the the, the the real cool thing here about the Bears, you talk about how you you, you don't want to have them draft for need. I, I I guess it's a nice thing. They're gonna spend a ton in free agency, right? They're gonna fill some holes in free agency. Even if they do that, they still can't go wrong in the draft because you need, need everything. You know, if if they get a right tackle and a center starting, okay, well you still need an offensive lineman. If you sign a three tech and a one tech and an edge in free agency. Okay, well, you still need some defensive linemen. Yeah, you know, if if you sign a receiver, you probably could still use a receiver at some point. Just kind of bolster the room up a little bit. You oh know, yeah, a tight end is needed at some point because Cole Komet's the only one on the roster. You know, you're gonna have to have a tight end. You talk about running back. I'm not a big proponent of a second round tailback. Nobody is. But you know what? You need a, you need a running back because Lester. David Montgomery's a free agent. Killer Herbert's not a big threat in the passing game. Tristan Ebner is is a guy. You need you need you need bodies at every single position on this Bears roster. Lester, let's make sure we don't overfocus. The whole point of the second round running back idea is to get people thinking about if we had that many picks, what could we do with it? 
right? And and in, I know, I, I mean, honestly, Lester, the best way to put it is that like I'm more posing an idea than actually promoting an idea. That's going to be the pull quote I get off this. I'm going to make a little one of those reels and I'm going to see Robert Schmitz wants I would the Bears it. to take a second round pick. I would back it, but again, it needs to be it needs to be the fourth or fifth no, pick of, their, yeah. of their class because a guy like Zach Charbonnet could be a top ten back in the NFL. I mean, like Lester, th- let's put it this way, okay? I have more confidence in there. There's a pick that will probably happen around like twenty one, right? Somewhere between nineteen and twenty one. You've probably got a decent idea who I'm leaning at. And I don't know if there's a more sure thing pick in the draft. Does this make sense? Talk, are we talking receiver? I'm talking about Bijan Robinson. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. as much as we would act like Lester, if you take Will Anderson at one, you know he's a sure thing. That's really not the case. I mean, if it was, Solomon Thomas would have had a better career, right? You, the, the player and the draft slot don't somehow supercharge each other. So when you tell me, Lester, that in the second round, at like pick 53, you could get a guy that is going to touch the football 280 times, and he's the third best player in his draft class at that position, and you get him that late, there's a twisted wisdom in it. Does that make sense? Where the NFL is so devaluing running backs right now that if you got one that really was special and you had so many picks that the value was justifiable, suddenly you've got a cheap dual threat receiving back in Jameer Gibbs that can go out there and punish like yeah. and and play really, really phenomenal football. And he was like the fifth pick in your draft class. Like you've got a legitimate weapon on a controllable contract. There's, it's it's all conversation. If there's one pick, Lester, because I feel like we got to build up to this, right? I love the trenches. I love the trenches. I want the Bears to add at or at the trenches. I especially want like offensive linemen in the second round and defensive linemen in the first. But if the Bears do get a an extra first round pick, if somehow they do, I will stump for Jackson Smith Jigba, and I will continue to do it. Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, Lester, I can't think of a receiver that would make a better impact on the Chicago Bears this year because, like, to, to wrap it up in a nutshell, Lester, there's a lot of guys out there, think Anthony Miller, that are flashy with their footwork. They are quick with their – they've got moves, put it that way, right? But what aren't they doing, Lester? They're not getting open on time. You need – in the NFL, you can't just – everybody says you got to get open, right? Lester, it's harder than that. You know that, right? This is, I need in two seconds for you to be open at 14 yards depth on the number. Like, you, it has to be that specific. Because if the quarterback looks there and you're not there, you, you're not open. It doesn't matter if nobody's around you. It doesn't matter if you're separated, right? You're not open because you're not in the right place. Where Jackson Smith Jigba has really excelled, and I mean, the more film I watch, the more you can see it, Lester, he gets his quarterbacks to make these crazy trust throws between Fields and Stroud that they won't make for other receivers. Like, they'll just put the ball into an area because Jackson Smith Jigba has so given them the ability to trust that he will be there and that the defenders won't know he's coming. Like, he's a poker player. He's wonderful within his stems. I mean, Lester, the way that I would put it is, is he a superhuman? No. Quentin Johnson is more of a superhuman than Jackson yeah. Majigba is. But is he a football player? He is every bit as good as a football player as Jack Sanborn is, but a much better athlete. 
like a second round body, a top five mentality. And if you could get that in the mid to late second round or the mid to late first round, I think he fits in the Bears in a way that nobody else fits in the Bears immediately could win Justin Fields' trust. Justin Fields needs somebody. That's Justin going Fields has to... talked about him already. So that's a guy that he's, that he's, he's mentioned. Obviously, it's there's a connection it's his, there. It's his type of guy. Yeah. I mean, look back at Ohio State and who did he love the most? He, lo- he not, won Garrett Wilson, who's a little bit more like Anthony Miller. Incredible moves, right? It was Chris Olave, who is on time, plays in tempo, also a heck of an athlete. But yeah. – he gets open when you asked him to, where you asked him to, and Justin Fields very obviously likes that, you know? So to me, given the connection, I mean, sure, the connection part helps. Look at Burrow and Chase. Everybody knows, and it is real, right? Reunite some teammates. They've got some familiarity. It doesn't take as much time to build chemistry. If the Bears got the chance to add that, Lester, I feel like their receiver room would take a big step forward because it's not the fact that the Bears can't pass the ball right now. To me, Lester, it's the fact that the Bears can't pass the ball in all situations, right? On first down, it's a little easier for them to throw it than on third down because their play sets don't involve a player that is really ready to get open on third and seven unless they've got like a pick play on. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, this the talent's not there, obviously. I mean, we're hoping Chase Claypool becomes a guy. We're hoping Darnell Mooney bounces back. You know, but other than that, you know, it's it's they're gonna have a you know Equinemius St. Brown again. He he he's he's a nice piece as your fifth guy or your sixth guy. He has some special teams experience from when his time with the Packers. So yeah, they're gonna bolster again every position on this roster. There's nothing that's out of bounds where you say, Oh, they can't nothing. take that. No, they could take anything they want. So we've been going here almost an hour here. I know I know you got a lot of stuff. What do you have going on tonight? What what's the rest of your night look like in, in Indianapolis? I mean, what else do you do, right? You hit the bars, you go talk to people. Like the other the other night, Lester, I somehow managed to run into functionally the entire Bears beat, which was an awful lot of fun. Uh, I mean, like, it, yeah, it's cool getting to shake hands with everybody, right? I mean, these are these are a lot of like the heroes that I've been reading for an awfully long time. Like getting to actually like see Adam Johns working, getting to shake Kevin Fishbane's hand, getting to talk to Pat Finley, Chris Sims, Mark Grody, like. Court, um, oh gosh, I talked to Courtney Cronin a little bit, but I also talked a little bit more to Colleen Kane, who's phenomenal. Uh, really, the only person who isn't hanging around with everybody else is Brad Biggs. But I, is anybody really surprised? Like, Brad's got his way of doing things, and he's really good at it. And it's it's just fun. I mean, a lot of the guys I came down here to meet, to be honest, Lester, weren't coaches. Like, that's that's something I think I leave a little bit more to the guys like Johns, the guys like Fishbane, entrenched people that need to report. Right. Yeah. I have the luxury of being an analyst. I mostly just want to know everybody else. <laughs> you know, well, that, you know, that, that's the the hidden part of the combine. We get on there. It's about making the connections, talking to people. And, uh, you know, it's good. It's good for the for the Robert Schmitz brand down there. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll trust you or I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. But that is it. That is a, a nice time. It's kind of late here, so we're not going to do any Q&A here. But, uh, Robert, I appreciate you jumping on here. I wanted to get some perspective here on the live from Indianapolis. Your first time, I think, is pretty cool. So until next time, bear down, my friends. Bear down.